Good morning again. For those of you who have joined us late online or in service, you've probably already figured out, but if not, we lost Kathy late last night, and we are all reeling. It is my sincere hope that when it is my turn, that there would be such a crowd of mourners, because I think that's a testament to Kathy's impact on all of us. I haven't known her very long, a couple of years, but her impact on me is indelible, because she's been profoundly influential. As I preach the sermon today, I'm going to miss her telling me how well I did and all the things I did wrong. Because she was gracious and honest and beautiful, and I will miss her. Let's pray again. Lord, thank you for the grace that you give us to get through days like this. And Lord, we lift up to you our praise and our worship and our grief and our laughter. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts as you speak through me. May my words and my meditation be solely pleasing to you. Amen. As I was going through this week's sermon, which is going to be the last on our series of the lies that we tell ourselves, I was thinking about my own life and how in so many ways, each of these lies have influenced the way that I have lived my life. And I, I remember in my own story the issue of love. And my story is complicated. Um, I spent time in a group home relationship with my family was quite fractured. And we're, we're a story of God's redemptive grace because my relationship with my parents today is profoundly good. And yet, when I was a teenager, it was profoundly bad. And I remember coming out of that season and I, I, I walked away from church. I had absolutely no interest in God and I began to look for love in all of the wrong places. And I, I looked for it in relationships. I looked for it in my career. I confess, probably in the early days, I looked for it in ministry. I certainly looked for it in my drugs of choice. And we all have them. Those idols that we put into our life that occupy our time, that are our response to pain, the ways that we look to satisfy that deep hole within, the love that we so desperately need. I've believed them all. I've believed the lie about forgiveness, that I couldn't be forgiven, that I couldn't forgive. I believe the lie about my own worth, that it was based in the things that I do. 
even today that permeates the way I interact because those lies don't go away. I have to constantly remind myself that even though life is not easy, it is good because God is good. And I don't need to believe these lies. But I think the biggest lie of them all, the one that Satan is bent on each of us hearing, the one that all the forces of hell are unleashed to ensure that each of us believe with all of our hearts that God doesn't really love me. Most of what we do, most of the way we interact, I think stems from this one question. Do we believe in our heart of hearts that God loves me? I find it interesting the way Jesus referred to God. He used the term of all the terms available in the Old Testament. He used Father more than any of others. And going further than that, Jesus invites His followers to address the Creator of the universe, the Almighty, as Father. Now for many of us, the idea of God being Father brings up some confliction within. Certainly anyone who's had a difficult relationship with their earthly father may find there's some blurring between thinking about God in this way and responding to God in this way. One of my professors in seminary, Dr. Barbara Much, her, her dissertation for her PhD was on the names of God and she developed a theory and a thesis for women who had come out of abusive relationships, specifically with their fathers, in the names that God has that are actually quite maternal. Because the word father, for some, brings about an expectation that can sometimes be at odds with our own experiences. What are our expectations when we hear the word father. Some never knew their fathers. Some have received abuse or have been deserted. Others have a loving and enduring relationship with their fathers, and some lost their fathers at a young age. But even the best earthly fathers will disappoint their children. It's a running joke in my own family. Caleb and Paige will never be able to afford to pay for your education, but we will always pay for your counseling. <laughs> we are imperfect at best. But God is a different kind of father. He's perfect. He's loving. He's caring. He's interested. See, He guides us and trains us and never deserts us. And for some of us, if you just imagine, that's so different from your own experience. For others, the picture of your earthly father is a picture of this everlasting love. 
Because you see, God is especially fond of you. I want to say that again. God is especially fond of you. I've lived much of my life not really internalizing that. Because the reality is life is filled with difficulties. Bad things happen to good people. And there is no easy answer. And it raises the question, why? Why do bad things happen? Why did Kathy get COVID-19? Why did Kathy not recover? Why did Kathy be, why was she taken from us when we weren't ready to lose her? And it brings up questions within us. Is it discipline? Is God angry with us? Is it because the world has fallen and there's no hope? Is it because of some poor choices we've made? These are difficult questions. But you see, it's not always because of something we've done. Yes, God disciplines His children. But the Bible, and the Bible says this in Deuteronomy, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. But here's the thing in Scripture. Every single time God disciplined His children, His children knew why they were being punished. There was no doubt in their minds what it was they had done. So in those moments where we deal with difficulty and we just don't understand why, I think it's important to remember God is not mad at us. He is a different kind of father. He's a safe place to invest our love. And the brokenness and sinfulness that each and every one of us have lived and continue to live and will live till the moment we die. It's important to remember, as Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. This is the good news. We don't have to try to earn a blessing from Him. We don't have to try to erase any mistakes that we have made to make Him love us. We don't need to look around the world for the false love and we can embrace the true love of God's unconditional affection for each and every one of us. You see, we live in a performance-based world. And so the if-I statements permeate us on a daily basis. If I make good grades, if I keep my room clean, if I make the team, make myself attractive, meet my deadlines, make no mistakes, if I am just a little bit better, I will be accepted, I will be loved, I will be valued. I will be cherished. And from the time we are children, we are constantly looking to people to make us feel valuable. Because we believe the lie that God does not love us. But when we use people as our measuring stick, we will always be let down. 
Because when we measure our worth by the approval of others, we are only as valuable as our last compliment or accomplishment. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that is a terrible way to live. Because my last accomplishment or compliment is nothing compared to the love of God. See, this is the freedom of the truth. In Christ, we find love beyond measure. We no longer have to seek a performance-based acceptance. We no longer need to clamor at every turn for people to love us or like us or approve of us or value of us because God does not love us based on our merit or our behavior. He loves us because we are His. There's such freedom in that. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us. Before we were even born, before we'd even made our first mistake, He sent Jesus Christ to be the sacrifice so that we could be in relationship with Him because He loved you before you were even conceived. This is what He wanted to do because it gave Him pleasure. Each and every one of you gives God good pleasure just because you are. Ephesians says, even before he was made, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. How many of you need to hear that today? How many of you have lived your life and find yourself striving, find yourself clamoring, find yourself desperate for acceptance? And need to hear the message. You are loved. I think in church this can become one of those moments where we, we often, as we're bumping into one another, as we talked about a few weeks ago, we can forget that we are walking with others who are cherished by God. Why does God love us? Because He wants to. What we all desire is unfailing love. And in Scripture, there's this Hebrew word called ta'ava. And this word, it means to greatly long for, to deeply desire, or to crave. And it's only used in Scripture in reference to God. Never once is it used in reference to a person. Because we all fail and only God can give us that unfailing love. 
I think there's two points of freedom in this. One is it releases us from the pressure of being the unfailing ones for those around us. I will eventually let you down. I probably already have. I certainly will again. Not because I want to, but because it is just my reality of being imperfect. The other thing it releases us into is the freedom to stop chasing love in all the wrong places. Because God's love is right here, right now, and available for each and every one of us. And it's a profound freedom. This morning, I want to unpack living this story a little bit differently. I sat with Kathy last night and I read this psalm for her. And I think the words of David are profound in any moment, but there's something about today that make these words quite poignant. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. As I read those words for Kathy... There were these points that jumped out at me in ways that I'd never seen before. You see, I think it starts with acknowledging that God's in charge. It's so easy in the reality of life to think that we're supposed to strive, that it's our responsibility to fix things, that we have to endure And God is saying, I am with you through the darkest of valleys. See, the blessing of of knowing that God is in charge of my life is that I am not in charge of my life. Because I get it so wrong, it's only a matter of time if I'm on the throne that I'm going to make a pretty significant mess of things. So there's a freedom in knowing that God is in charge. And in Him, I have everything I need. And we live in a culture that will tell us you need more and more and more and more. And God is saying, you just need me. I think what struck me profoundly being with Kathy was just how peaceful she was. See, in that moment at the end of it all, 
Kathy had Jesus. And that's all she needed. But we don't have to wait till the end of it all to live into that and to lean into that because my rest is found in Him. Not in all the other things that I pursue. And some of our pursuits are good things. It is good to pursue a healthy marriage. It is good to pursue being a good parent. It is good to pursue work and success and ministry and all the things in our lives that are good things. But they were never meant to take the place of Jesus Christ. And they will never fulfill you because ultimately they fall short and they never give you the love that you so desperately crave. And if that was the end of the story, it would be a fairly pitiful existence that we live. But you see, in Jesus, he takes all of this and he brings us to himself And it's there that we find the rest that we need. We also find the security. So when we are walking these difficult and dark valleys, and each and every one of us has those stories in our life. Jesus walks those valleys with us. Our security is found in Him. And here's the wonderful piece of all of this. Instead of so desperately seeking to please Him, thinking that we can earn His love or earn our forgiveness, He comes down to our level and says, your life, just leaning on me and trusting me and placing your hope in me is the very act that brings me honor and glory. Which means... Me up here, just being me up here, doing the best I can, knowing nothing I say or nothing I do, unless Jesus is involved with it, will have any value at all. Knowing that that is the moment I'm bringing glory to God brings me incredible peace and freedom. Because it's not in my performance. It's not in my value It's just because He loves me. And in this we are blessed, and in this we are so deeply loved. You see, David is acknowledging that we live in a time where we have pain. Life is painful. C.S. Lewis says it so well when he watched his beloved beloved wife die of cancer. He said, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So in this moment when we are feeling the anguish and the pain and the loss of Kathy, God is right there with his megaphone saying, I love you, and I am with you in this dark valley. As Paul writes, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angels nor demons, fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow. 
Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Recognize the lie. Reject the lie. And replace the lie with truth. The lie is that God does not love you. That is simply not true. God says He loves me with an everlasting love and He has drawn me with an unfailing kindness to Himself. Jeremiah writes, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with an unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. And this is the good news that can permeate even the darkest of places. Let's pray this morning that each of us can take this to heart and believe this amazing truth. May God bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you because he loves you and he values you and he cherishes you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you We thank you for the gift of your Son and the power of your Spirit that opens our eyes and our hearts to know you and to know your love. Lord, for those who have experienced significant pain in their lives with respect to relationship with Father, I pray, Lord, that you would rewrite that story. For those who have had a wonderful relationship with their Father, I pray, Lord, that you would show them how pale that is in comparison to you. Lord, for those who have lost their fathers, I would pray that you would write on their hearts that you are their Papa. And Lord, as we as a community Walk through this valley. Help us to fear no evil. To know that you are there comforting us each and every step of the way. And Lord, I pray that every person here would feel deeply right now in this moment how unbelievably cherished they are in your eyes. Lord, we thank you for Kathy, for her life, and for the gift that she was to those who loved her and to this church. We ask, Lord, that you would walk with us over the coming days and weeks as we mourn her loss. For the many other pains and challenges and mourning that are happening in our community or those connected to us. 
I pray, Lord, that your mercy would rain down and we would all feel your peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.